Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys today. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now uh, from an off-site campus or on the internet or in one of the venues here, the warehouse or the chapel uh, at Long Point Road. We're glad you're along. Those of you who are watching a podcast or listening to a podcast while you're exercising, that's probably the best way. People have told me that I have a face for radio. So if you'll listen, it's probably, it's probably really, really good. Welcome all of you. And I also want to welcome uh, this morning Senator Rick Santorum, who is here with us. And he's running for... Um, he is uh, running for the office of president, and it's an honor to have him in our uh, congregation. I've met so many... Uh, wonderful uh, people over the last few months. In fact, I told one of my friends, there's either a revival in Washington or there's a, a primary coming up pretty soon. And uh, it's great, but we're honored, we're honored that, uh, that you are here. We really are. Um, we're in a series called Trending, and we are talking about subjects that a lot of times we don't talk about in church, but there are things that are, you know, that you read in the newspaper or people are talking about you know, at, at work around the water cooler or wherever it happens to be. And uh, we started out with two weeks on heaven. That was easy. And then we went to hell. We talked about hell. We thought we'd follow that up with politics. How's that? And, <laughs> and uh, so, so this weekend, we're, we're going to do something different than we have ever probably done before. Let me tell you why I wanted to do what I was going to do. Uh, I was going to give this message my, myself, but I'll tell you kind of how I came to uh, kind of adjust that a little bit. But uh, several weeks ago when, I don't know if you guys remember, uh, when the politicians in Washington were wrestling over a budget and shutting down the, you know, government or all that. You guys, were you aware, knew knew what was going on there? And uh, I was watching one of the news shows and they had a pastor on and they said, we're going to have a pastor give Jesus' point of view. What would Jesus do? I thought, well, this ought to be good. And so I listened to him and I thought, Really? That's what Jesus would say. You know, that's, that's interesting. And uh, I thought, you have left out an entire, you know, kind of wealth of wisdom uh, and understanding that God has given. And uh, so I, what I wanted to do was go, you guys know we don't endorse candidates, uh, but I really feel like you need a biblical worldview so that when you hear things, you go, okay, well, let's see how that fits with this. And so we wanted to kind of underline that a little bit. And this weekend, rather than me doing it, I'm a little under the weather, but that's not why we did this. I, I, thought, I thought, you know, who better to help me with a message like this than, than my friend Tim Scott? Uh, Tim is... Let, let me just, for those of you who maybe don't know Tim that well, Tim uh, and I have been, uh, he's been a member of this church for, I think, 14 years, and he uh, served on our trustee uh, board here at the church for a number of years until he got this this gig that he does now. Uh, but uh, Tim and I have met uh, at least once a month over about the last 10 years. Just iron sharpens iron. And just meeting together, praying together, talking together. And uh, uh, he's helped me to understand some things that I, I hopefully have had a little bit of input into his life. And uh, just a few years ago, he was the chairman of uh, Charleston County Council and he came to me and he said, I, I think I'm done with politics. He said, I think that, that uh, there's a call of God on my life for ministry. And I, th- I was excited about that. I went home and I thought, I'm going to hire Tim. You know, we have a place for him on staff here at Seacoast. It's going to be great. But then I had a check in my spirit, not about Tim, 
but about the leading of the Lord in his life. And so we, we sat down and we talked about it. And I said, Tim, I believe that God has called you into full-time service, but I believe it's in politics. And how do you know that we're all in full-time ministry? And uh, uh, he has just an incredible way of speaking across, you know, the aisles that kind of divide and also is a man of principle in, in, in what he believes. And, um, and so he's continued in politics. And uh, the, in the past year, he was elected as the uh, congressman from the 1st Congressional District. Many of you who live in this district, he's your congressman. Kind of a neat thing. He, he plays it down. But we're in Charleston, South Carolina, which, you know, I am so proud of our city and I love our city. But our city has some past that, um, that, that's unfortunate, very unfortunate in the slavery issue, uh, in America, and uh, much prejudice here, and m- much uh, progress has been made. And uh, Tim is the first African American elected by his party since Reconstruction, and I think that's kind of a neat deal and speaks a lot uh, for you know what God is doing. That's a and uh, I'm just proud he's my friend. And I want you to welcome this morning your Congressman Tim Scott as he comes to bring God's Word today in this area. Well, thank you so much. Good morning. How are y'all? Huh? Y'all are good? I'm good too. Thank y'all for asking. I'm good because it's 11.15, and that means this is the last service. <laughs> Woo-hoo! And I got to tell you, I've always liked Greg. He's been one of my mentors for a very long time, more than 10 years. And I like Greg more this morning than I ever have before, because now I appreciate what he does every weekend. Every weekend you do this. It's a whole lot easier talking about politics and, and being a politician than it is being a preacher. I thank God that he has anointed Greg to be our leader. I thank God for him. When I, when I came to Greg and told him that I really felt like God had called me to the ministry, and, and Greg was like, you know, let, let me hear you preach for a few minutes. And I, I, I got on stage right about here, I think it was, it was like several years ago, and I just started going at it, and Greg was like, I think you should do something else. That's how it really happens. So in case you wonder, so since he's given me one shot here, I'm going to take what I got, and I'm going to take it all the way to the bank, okay? Unlike Greg. See, when Greg preaches, Greg is an enlightened intellectual. When he starts to speak, the wind stops blowing. And you just hear the melody of angels in your ears. I'm a little different. I need help when I preach, okay? So in other words, when I preach, I need someone who's willing to take a chance in Seacoast and say, Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be over here for a long time today. I know Greg is sitting over here with y'all. I see you. I understand. I can't do that, Tim. I just can't do that. Just, just, just hallelujah. See if you, oh, my God. Slain in the spirit we are. Now, y'all, have y'all been here when Greg's daddy preaches? That's how I preach, okay? And as proof to that, I have brought with me a preacher's handkerchief. I am ready for the weekend. Woo! So now, 
I like this audience already. Jesus said. Okay, anyways. I got to go back to Washington soon, y'all. This is all the fun I get to have. So please join me. Let us start with a word of prayer, please. Father God, in the name of Jesus, you have made it possible that we live in the most amazing, anointed nation on this green earth. I thank you for the privilege of being an American. I thank you for the privilege of being a Christian. I thank you for the privilege of being a part of this amazing nation. And God, I believe that our future is far more important than our past. And I believe that we are at a crossroads and you have called all of us, God, to to be a part of the process, a part of the solution to bringing forth a new day in America. And I thank you, God, and I praise you for what you will do with the remnant of your believers. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of y'all have ever noticed that sometimes when God is ready to do, to do something new in you, he challenges you? Y'all feel that too? Well, I remember back in 1999, uh, God wanted to challenge me. And there's a scripture, John 15, verse 2. And it talks about the fact that Jesus is divine and we are the branches. And, and if you're bearing fruit at the time... He's going to just break you off so that you bear more fruit. It just seems kind of strange to me that he's willing to break off something that is producing fruit so that it will bear more fruit. Now, he does say, if you're not producing fruit, he breaks you off too. I don't know where you go. Huh? Last week, man, had an indication where you go. Anyways, uh, that's just meddling. I'm sorry. That's meddling. Well, God... I went out to Hollywood. I was on this TV show. It was called Politically Incorrect. Any of y'all remember Bill Maher in Politically Incorrect? Any of y'all thankful that he's gone? That is gone. <laughs> Me too, okay? Well, I was on that show, and, and, and I was target practice. They called me out there just to shoot at me, and I wasn't very good. And I got back here, and Greg said on a Wednesday night, he says, you know what? We have Tim, Tim Scott's back from Hollywood, and he, he stood me up, and I stood up. <sighs> I did my little pageant wave. Welcome. And I, I felt this check in my spirit. And it's as if God said, son, you're moving in the wrong direction. Something had already started to grab hold of me called pride. And God said, it's obvious that you are willing to serve me in the limelight. But are you, are you willing to serve me when no one's watching? And I said, yes, Lord. Yes, Father, I'm willing to serve you if no one's watching. How many of y'all know that God will set you up? He gets you to answer the question first, and then he just throws it on you. Well, the next thing I heard was simply this. And it had to be the Holy Spirit, because I did not have Greg's burritos the night before. And it was a very simple instruction. The Lord said, Tim, I want you to clean the toilets at Seacoast. I said to myself, Jesus, are you here, Lord? I almost started speaking in a different language. I was like, no, 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 Jesus. Y'all don't know me. I don't like cleaning my own bathroom. And I live by myself. And so I found myself in the bathroom. One of the most amazing revelations came to me when I was on my knees cleaning the side of this toilet. 
And I heard the Lord speaking to me in a way that I very rarely heard him. And he said, if you want to lead my people, you better figure out how to serve. We need men and women who are called to lead, who understand service first. And I was, I was scrubbing the side of that toilet, and the Lord was just filling me. You know, there's a scripture in James, the fourth chapter, verse 10, that says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he can lift you up. I needed help, unfortunately, being humbled. And as he humbled me, he was breaking something out of me. And, and he's still working on me today. But I will tell you that we need a nation filled with leaders who humble themselves before the Lord. And then he can raise all of us up. And that's a good day. And I'll tell you, that's a good day. Now, I got to tell you, I learned several lessons. And one of the most important lessons I learned on my knees in the men's bathroom. Listen closely, please. The women, please just close your ears for one second. <laughs> Let me speak to the dudes. This is a, this is a lesson from God. Aim! Please! Just aim! I, I gotta tell you, I feel the spirit. Y'all need to pull up a little bit. Do something different. I'm just here. I'm just telling you. When I had the mop in my hands and I was figuring out that the women's bathroom is far more enjoyable than the woman, the men's bathroom. Because y'all, this is an amazing thing that happens in the women's bathroom that does not happen in the men's bathroom. Y'all need to, oh, thank you, Jesus. See, and then during football season, y'all must just run in and run out or something. Dude, slow down. On behalf of all the men in this corporate body of Christ, I want to say to the women, I'm sorry. I am just sorry. Y'all deserve better treatment than that. I don't know what to say, but Jesus. You know, in America, we find ourselves in a place where we've been doing way too much waving and not enough time on our knees. When you look at the financial condition of our country, it has become obvious that we have become a bit too prideful and we've defined our pride by the ability, as I like to say, to spend money we don't have, buying things we cannot afford, trying to impress a world that still seems fairly unimpressed. If you look at this slide on how much money we're spending, as a nation. Your money. Now, please remember, there is no such thing as a federal dollar. It's your money. Come on, Joel, now. Bring it out me, baby. I like this good. Thank you. So, we're going to spend three and a half trillion dollars of your money. Now, how many of y'all still think 3.5 trillion is a lot of money? I know y'all live in the land of milk and honey. It's a lot of money. Now, now that, not only is that a lot of money, but the real question is, how much do I make? How much revenue comes into the country? Let's take a look at how much. So when you look at the amount of revenue, 2.2 trillion, does there seem to be something missing? About 1.4 trillion missing? 
So the question is, if you bring in 2.1 trillion, but you're spending 3.5 trillion, does that make a lot of sense? Now I'm from, oh man, y'all, y'all got it already. I'm from North Charleston, the holy city of North Charleston. I know that Charleston thinks they're the holy city. I know y'all who live in Mount Pleasant and Columbia and Somerville and Spring Valley or wherever you live, y'all think that your land flows with milk and honey. But God's country is in my hometown. No Charleston. South Kakalaki. I just feel the spirit. Hallelujah. Let me break that down in terms that we can understand and know Charleston. You see, let's just say that $2.1 trillion and let's call it 21000 And let's say that $3.5 trillion, let's call that 35000 So we make $21,000 and we intentionally spend $35,000 and we have a credit card drawer I know y'all don't have that. There's a credit card drawer with $150,000 on the cards. And we're paying only our interest. And we just asked for a credit increase. That's where we are. So the question, because I can tell this is a very intelligent church, not because I've been here for 14 years, but because I see Greg all the time. Now, Greg, if in fact we make 21000 and we spend 35000 where do we get the difference? We've got to borrow it. So let's take a look at what we're doing. Almost half of our debt is owned by foreign countries. That's not a good thing. And think about this now. Out of the half that's owned by foreign countries, two countries own 49% of that debt. Can anyone guess? I got to go, Greg. She's going to take over. I like this one. China, right? China owns 23% of our overall debt. One nation. That is not a good place to be. And we've got to find a way out of this hole. And I believe that the way we find our, our way out of this hole is by finding ourselves on our knees before God. You see, we don't need someone new in the White House only. We don't need to throw the bums out of Congress only. I'm sorry, the other bums in Congress. I want to stay. I want to make a case for Tim Scott later on, okay? But, But I'm just telling you that it doesn't matter whether you put Republicans in or Democrats in. If you put Democrats in and take Republicans out, it doesn't really matter if you change the parties in D.C. What matters is what they bring with them on an individual basis. If we do not have leaders who call on the name of Jesus first, if we don't understand that there is one that serves us, if we don't call, if we don't call on the name that is above all names, at home, you're not taking it with you to D.C. So changing the parties is not the way we change the trends of our country. We change the trends of our country by what we do on our knees. And it's high time that we started cleaning our financial bathroom at home. But there's good news. There is very good news. See, America is the land. Good. And the home... 
You see, we have a wonderful past, and we have a very, very beautiful future. And in the book of Joshua, God told Joshua to have memorial stones, to have signs of the things that have been done in the past to encourage you about your future. And when you look at America's past, it is an amazing story over the last 235 years. Think about the fact that the 13 colonies came together by telling the most powerful nation on God's green earth, I got to go. We broke away from the power that was because we were endued. We were endued with a different kind of dunamis, a, a dynamite that exploded in our founding fathers that said that we must be free. Free to exercise our own faith where we have it, how we have it, and when we have it. And so they broke away. That's one of the memorial stones that we must remember as we go down this road of solving our financial problems. We've got to think about the fact that this is the nation and this is the place that has actually overcome the sin of slavery. You've got to think about this. God has got a sense of humor. In the home of the beginning of the Civil War, I'm your congressman. Now that is funny. And only God does something that humorous. We survived two world wars and prospered in spite of it. Think about that. We went through two, civil war, two serious world wars and went right through it. And we still prospered in spite of it. We found ourselves in the Great Depression, but we found our way through the Great Depression. And we held on to what makes us great. We even, we even faced 9-11. And it did something significant in our country. We returned to the whole notion of one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And we brought to justice Osama bin Laden. We get it done. We are an amazing nation. Our future will be written. The history of our future will be crafted with your fingerprints. We have an opportunity and we have a choice. And so the question is, looking at those memorial stones, how do we go forward? What, what do we do in order to get ourselves where we need to be? And I think there is a verse in Second Chronicles that tells the story in a way that we need to understand it on all levels of government. It's Second Chronicles 7.14. Victory follows in these words. If you have your Bible with me, I know I'm at Seacoast. If you have your Bibles, that, that was an inside joke, you know. Please open your Bibles or your iPads and turn to Second Chronicles 7.14. And it simply says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. That is such good news. But let's take a serious, deeper look into the word of God and find out just who he's called to be responsible for the revival in the land that we are in such desperate need of. And I think you find it in the first three words of the verse. If my people 
He's not asking us to simply go out and find people and get them saved and bring them in the house of God so we can have a revival in the land. He's talking to someone who's already in the remnant. He is saying that those of us who call on the name of Jesus, who are part of the family, we must take our rightful place. If my people will take a stand, will you take a stand? Will you be one in the remnant who comes forth, who says, I am a part of the people? Listen to the rest of the verse. If my people who are called by my name, God has given us citizenship in his kingdom. He has gone further than that. He has said, you are a part of my family. We can call him not only God of the universe, but daddy. We call him our father. Abba, father means my dad. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Let me ask you, are you willing to humble yourselves? Because I, I needed help being humble. I tell you, it's better to do it yourself. It's better to do it yourself. There's a promise for those who humble themselves. I was thinking about the ways that we could humble ourselves. Let me talk about three ways that we can humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face. One of the places I found it was in the bathroom. Literally, I found a renewal by serving. I believe that if you will do one of the three things, and hopefully all three, you can change the course of America. Are you on board? All right. You don't even know what they are. I love these people. This is great. So, number one, I believe that one of the things that we can do to humble ourselves, fasting. If we will fast. Now, I got to tell you, I am not necessarily committed to fasting every day. I kind of like eating. You know what I'm saying? It was funnier in my head than it was in the service. That's okay. And, and, and I, I will tell you that Fasting produces something in us that very few things can. And there is an amazing promise in God's word in the book of Isaiah, the 58th chapter, 58th chapter, verse 12, that shows the results of a godly fast. I want to read these two verses, 12 and 14, to you. The entire chapter is dedicated to fasting. And I will tell you that I saw things for the very first time reading that chapter over and over this week. And it was amazing to see what God promises us who will fast. And I've decided that I must deny my flesh. I must deny my flesh in order to do God's will. And here's what he says in Isaiah 58, 12. He says, those from among you shall build the old waste places. That sounds like restoration. He says, you shall raise up the foundation of many generations. It sounds like a future for our country embedded in the fast. He says, and you shall be called the, re the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets, and to dwell in them. In verse 14, he says, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you 
to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. That is an amazing promise to those who will fast and put God first. The second thing that I think we must do to humble ourselves, to find ourselves depending on God, is to tithe. Now, tithing is something that is an incredible act of worship to God. And I believe that sometimes that what we have to do to humble ourselves, to get ourselves back on our knees, is to give over our resources to God. And if we do so, we are saying to God that he's in charge. And how many of y'all want, tra- I mean, not all y'all now, but do, how many of y'all really want God in charge of your finances? All right, about half the people doing all right, the other half people just lying. And it's Sunday, and you're in church. Okay, so I'm believing this. I'm believing that if you give your tithes, God opens the windows of heaven, according to Malachi 3, 9 through 11, and does things that only you can get done through tithing. As a matter of fact, I know y'all think you don't pay enough taxes. I understand that y'all want to pay more taxes, but I'm just going to tell you, what the government does with 40-plus percent of your money, the church can do on 10%. If we were to give... God and the church, the resources that meet the needs of the people, the government would automatically get smaller. The government is trying to do what we, would never, what we were never created to do. And we don't do it well. If we would stop trying to figure out how to be the church and let the church be the church, we'd find ourselves with a holy revival in the land today. We find ourselves on fire because when you and I give the church what they need in order to do their work, the Holy Ghost shows up and he says it's all on fire and we can do that through tithing. I know y'all are excited about this. I'm excited about it. It's amazing the things that God will do. And he says that if greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, he says, if God is for you, no man can be against you. He says, give and it shall be given unto you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over <laughs> shall men give into your bosom. That's a promise. And he never breaks his promises. And then the third thing you can do is serve. Jeremiah 1 and 4 speaks to the fact that before Jeremiah was ever born, he was called to be a prophet. Before the foundations of the earth, before he was a part of his mother's family, he was already called to be a prophet. I believe that each and every one of us have a very specific call from God. And you have been tasked to bring manifestation in the area of your calling. And the question is, have we spent enough time on our knees seeking God's direction to respond to that call? America needs you. America does not need a political awakening. We need a spiritual awakening. And when the body of Christ comes together in in a cohesive manner and speaks with one voice from the word of God, 
life changes for the world. The world is waiting on us. I went to Israel about 10 or 12 days ago. And I had the greatest spiritual and political revival I've had in a very long time, more than 10 years. And I was sitting on the Sabbath at a dinner, listening to an observant Orthodox Jew talk to me about the miracle of America. And he was asking, almost begging me to make sure that America stays strong, that you do the things that you must do to stay the greatest nation on the face of the earth because we are modeling your behavior and it's an absolute necessity that America remains strong. And he said without any question that one of the anchors of our strength is our capitalism. The whole notion that one person's worth can be exercised and then seen in the world of the markets, to free markets. And he said that capitalism by itself is simply not enough. And he said that it's not even the most important part about of America. The most important part of America isn't capitalism because capitalism by itself could easily lead to individualism. And individualism unchecked can lead to egotism. And pride and ego can lead to self-delusion. And then the end of self-delusion is self-destruction. He said what you have to have with your capitalist society is Christianity. Now how is a Jew going to talk to me, a born-again, virally and baptized son of the living God? He's going to revive my soul on the concept of Christianity because he understands that a society that is not anchored in faith will self-destruct. And he was begging and pleading and asking me to understand that America, the city on the hill, the beacon of light in the darkest of worlds, stands strong and sometimes stands alone as the place where it gets done because we work from character. And that they've modeled the character they've seen over the years in America. And that their entire response to a world that wants to kill them outside of their borders is to respond first with character. And so I asked a question. Can you explain to me what that looks like? And he gave me two very good examples. The first one he said is that we live in a region where they have an unethical offense against our people. And he said an unethical offense is seeking to kill civilians. That, and this is, these are his words. My children and my family are at risk every day because our enemies have an unethical offense. They seek to kill civilians. And he said, but what's worse, Tim, is that we have an unethical Defense. They have an unethical defense. They take their terrorists and they hide them in neighborhoods among their civilians. But because we are more concerned with who we are than what we do, we go first to our character to decide how to respond. And so what we do, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, we go into the enemy's territory and we go door to door finding terrorists, and we eliminate them. But we leave the rest of the neighborhood intact. Said differently, they put their military in harm's way 
because their character defines their response. And they say they model that behavior from the American military. They've seen character lived out over decades. And they were asking us to to stay strong, to do the things that are necessary to get the anchor of who we are, the foundation on which we stand, to get it right and to keep it right by putting our character above all things. Here's my question. Are you willing to be counted? Are you willing to be one of the numbered, the remnant, the righteous? Are you willing to be one of those that we can count on? Who will stand where you're called to be and do what God has called you to do? Will will you join me in being counted in the number of the righteous? And let me tell you, you're not righteous because of what you do. You're righteous because of whose you are. See, Christ made us righteous. And because of that, we, the collective, the remnant, can stand together and change the world with simple acts of obedience. And I will tell you, there's a story in Genesis 18. Abraham is literally negotiating with God. Because he's trying to save a city. We're trying to save a nation. And Abraham says, God, will you spare the city if there are 50 righteous people? God said, yes, I'll spare them if you can find 50 righteous. My question is, do we have 50 righteous? Not just people who are going to heaven when they die, but people who are willing to live for the cause that they were born to live for. Abraham comes back and he renegotiates because he simply says, can't find 50, 45 God, 40, 35 God, 30, 25 God, 20, 15 God, 10. God to save a nation for 10 righteous people. I believe that the remnant that we have far exceeds 10 righteous. But we have to take a stand and say, send me, God. For the city on the hill, send me. For the beacon of light, for all mankind, send me. Many are called, few are chosen. Will you pray with me? Father God, I believe that you have given us a privilege that is beyond our imagination. The privilege of being an American, the privilege of being a Christian, far exceeds all privileges. What a blessing you have bestowed upon us. But it also is an amazing responsibility. I pray, God, that this nation, one nation under you, Lord, we would rise up as the remnant, the righteous, the people of God, and take our place and do your will in a way that says to the rest of the world, our character is far more important than anything else. I thank you, God, for the people who respond to your call 
your message. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>